you hear it in more ways than you realize. I mean, when skirmishes break out around the world, you may see an article as this Armageddon. Um, when we get a bad blizzard, they've referred to it as Snowmageddon, you know, and in reference to that. I've read about um, um, traffic jams and road rage, and they call it, I don't know, something-geddon, you know. But it's a term that the world identifies with, Armageddon, and in their mind... It means the end, or it's an overwhelming event. Um, it's only found one time in the Bible, in Revelation 16 and verse 16, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And um, the word itself is... Um, is a combination, Har, meaning mountain, and Megiddo, which is a city in the northern part of ancient Israel, built on a hill, and so it's called the Mountain of Megiddo. Um, it's perhaps the Holy Land's, um, one of its better-known cities, It is located at the foot of the Carmel mountain range. And remember Moses and went up to Mount Carmel. Um, It commands one of the most strategic points in the land of Israel. And like most other cities in Israel, Megiddo was destroyed and rebuilt over and over and over again. Some say probably 22 times. So, in part, that's why it's a mound. This built here, destroyed, then they rebuild on the rubble that is there, and, and it is a mound. When, when five years ago you sent us to Israel, um, I think the, the most moving and impressive part of the whole trip to me was not when we crested over the hill and saw Jerusalem and there were people on the tour that couldn't wait for that and 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 it was a beautiful sight to see but to me the most impressive and moving part of it all was standing at Megiddo and looking over the valley and to know what was going to take actually take place in that valley right there. That this is where Jesus Christ is going to come and conquer. It was, for me personally, and, and let me just say... Um, I never was a big one on, oh, I really want to go to Israel. But having been there, if you ever could make it possible in your life, I would recommend it. And I just read this last week. You you may think it's um, 
an unsafe place to go. Um, tourism so far this year is up dramatically in Israel. It's probably safer to go to Israel than Chicago, okay? Seriously. It is. Um, they don't tell you all that stuff that's happening in Chicago. Um, there were 115 shootings in Chicago a few weekends ago. 15 of the people died. 89 of them had to go to the hospital. If we were in a war and that many people were dying every weekend, I'm getting way off track, but this is extra, okay? You'd be hearing about it, but any rate. So if you are afraid to go to Israel, read Psalm 121, and um, the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. But if you get a chance, go. But back to Megiddo. For me, realizing what would take place there. And tonight, we just want to kind of skip a rock over this um, to give you some some framework for this and to make some com- conclusions. What does all this mean to me? But we often... Think of this site. It is the site of many military clashes. Barak and Caesarea and Gideon and the Midianites, the Philistines and Israel, Napoleon and his foes, General Allenby and the Turkish armies, all fought major battles in this. And Napoleon stood at Megiddo in battle and said, If I could select a classic battlefield, this would be it. Well, God has selected a classic battlefield, and that is it. And um, Armageddon, many consider it to be the last battle on earth, but the last war on earth will take place at the close of the millennium when Satan leads a revolt against God. Armageddon is not just one battle. It's a climactic war of the Great Tribulation that eventually leads to the armies of the earth um, gathering together. Just quickly, throughout Scripture, it is referred to the day of the Lord's vengeance, and we'll just quickly going over these, and if you want a copy of this, we can get it to you. In Isaiah 34, 8, it's referred to the winepress of God, that God is, is trampling out the winepress of His wrath. It is referred to as the great and awesome day of the Lord in the book of Joel. It is also referenced as the harvest. In Joel chapter 3 and Revelation 14, Malachi 4 talks about it as the great and terrible day of the Lord. And in Revelation 16:14, the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. So um, the battle of Armageddon refers to the final war between... Human governments that God ordained with Noah and the final battle between human governments and God. These governments and their supporters 
as we'll see in just a moment, oppose God, even now many by refusing his rulership. But the battle of Armageddon will bring to end human rulership. There are phases of this battle. And just quickly to go through, phase one, the Bible tells us the Euphrates River will dry up, preparing the way for the kings of the east to come marching into the Middle East. Phase two, Antichrist will assemble the armies of the world to annihilate the Jews, attempt to annihilate the Jews once and for all. The armies will attack Jerusalem, and it will fall to the armies of Satan. Christ will personally return. He will defeat the armies of Antichrist, preparing the way for his millennial rule. That's just a very quick, and if you'd like further study, we can, we can get you that. But Antichrist... And his allies assembled. The Bible tells us there's a ten-nation confederation that assembles intent to wipe the Jews off the map. While Antichrist is gathering for this battle, um, he leads them, as we said, Jerusalem falls. And instead of moving back to protect His capital city at that time of Babylon, Antichrist, will move his forces south of the city of Jerusalem. The hatred that he has for for God's people. And he will seek to, to pursue those that are hiding in the hills and the mountains. The remnant. When the forces of Antichrist descend on the Jews in the wilderness... This is when they will turn back to God. Two-thirds of the Jewish population will already have been killed during the tribulation. The remaining one-third, the remaining remnant, will acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Messiah. The vast majority of Jews today are in unbelief. But through the seven-year period of tribulation... God will work in their hearts through events like this. And this remnant will understand that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They will cry out for deliverance. And um, Jesus Christ will appear. And his angelic army and Christian saints with him in the battle with Antichrist. It's really not a battle as you think of long term. The details, God gives us a sketch of these. But the details, we're sitting here in southern Iowa tonight and it's like, okay, what's all that mean to me? Well, it's important for us to understand and to look at the conqueror, Jesus Christ. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. 
Revelation 19 and verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. The conqueror Jesus Christ, first of all, and it's telling us about him here. He is, his name, one of many names, but the names tell us about him. He is faithful and true. God has given many, many promises and has prophesied many, many things that have yet to be fulfilled. And Jesus Christ is going to fulfill every promise that God has ever made. And his name is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Our conqueror comes in righteousness. He will be doing what is right. That's all he can do. He is clothed in righteousness. Notice verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. So it's explaining to us about Jesus Christ. He is clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning, John 1 tells us, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the Word incarnate. And his name is the Word of God. And you notice, verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So this is Jesus Christ, faithful and true. He comes judging in righteousness, the word of God, and king of kings and lord of lords. I mean, this, all the nations of the earth are gathered together with Antichrist. I mean, as believers, it's absurd to do war with God. I mean, that's just absurd. But that's what is... is going to happen and and we see we see movements of all this uh, one world and all the things that um, are moving toward these things but we say okay what does it mean to me I mean as a believer we won't be around at this time what does it mean to me Number one, it is important for us to realize God is in control. He makes the devices of the wicked to praise him. The king's heart are in the hand of the Lord, and he turns them wherever he goes. I don't, I don't know that it is more so this day, but we can be much more aware of all the 
all the goings-on of the world leaders. I mean, today, Benjamin Netanyahu met with um, the Prime Minister of France. I mean, there's always these meetings going on. And a person could think, what are they going to do? And what's this going to happen? And, and you know, um, our president is meeting with all these. What are they doing? What? Relax, people. God is in control. And he is going to fulfill his purposes. Does he give us all the details how this is all going to work out? Do we need to know who the anti... No, you don't need to know who the Antichrist is. If we needed to know, he would have told us. Rest in the fact God is in control. I don't know how many of you get anxious about some of these things, but it's tempting to. You know, it's frustrating to see what our nation started out as and where we're at today, and it can be frustrating. But... Our citizenship is in heaven. We ought to do all we can. First Timothy tells us that we ought to pray for them that rule over us, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, that the gospel may be preached. And that's the purpose of it. So we step back and ask, are we proclaiming the gospel? But it's easy to get, oh, look what's going on, and look at this, and look at this, and look at this. Take a deep breath. God is in control, and number two, God's plans will not be thwarted. God does not, oh, what's the United Nations doing today? What's Putin doing today? What's Macron or Macaroni or whatever his name is? What's he doing today? The United Nations can bring whatever resolution they want. God is unmoved by it. And all the nations of the earth will gather together to do war against God. Do you think God's wringing His hands? He is the conqueror. He is the creator. I mean, God's plans will not be thwarted and righteousness prevails. See, we need to be reminded of this. We... If anybody should have hope, we should have hope. We should be rejoicing that righteousness will prevail. Does it prevail today? No, not necessarily. And in many, many cases, not at all. But to realize righteousness will prevail. And then... I must focus on controlling what is in my power. And what is in my power? Loving God and loving others, the two great commands. I believe we are distracted with all these other things and we don't focus on loving God and loving others. And on those two things hang all the law and the prophets. And what is God calling us to do? To know every detail of every stage of the campaign of Armageddon? No. If it can help us 
to love God and say, God, what a blessing to know you are in control and your plans will not be thwarted and righteousness prevails. I praise you, God. I love you even more by realizing that and giving us a burden. We sometimes sing the song, the battle belongs to the Lord. We need to be reminded of that and be reminded, what is my responsibility to love God? And to love others. Solomon said, what's the whole duty of man? To fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. Fearing God would be, okay, God, what's your commands? First command, love me. Second command, love others. And it's not just this. This is, I was going to say, it's not just this fluffy, fluffy love. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's the nitty-gritty stuff of when they're hard to love You still hang in there. I'm not just talking, you know, just in family matters. I'm I'm talking a person that is without Christ to show them the love of Christ. It's a it's a tough thing that we can't do in and of ourselves. We must have the power of God. And in realizing that, okay. Oh, look at all this going on. Okay, God, how can I love you today and how can I love others? We sang, our mighty commander will vanquish the foe. Man, righteousness prevails. It's a, it's a real thing. It's, I mean, I love victory. I mean, we're going to be fist pumping. You know what I'm saying? It, he has won. It's already guaranteed. And to rejoice in that. And to get with his program. So the reality is, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What is in my power? You know, um, most all these things are out of our power. But no one can ever stop you from loving God and loving others. And this week, that's what God wants us to do with the backdrop. God's going to take care of it. Everybody's going to gather together in in Israel. I think it's just fascinating that um, that battlefield is the crossroads between Africa and Europe and Asia. It, it's all, there's all travel routes and it's the crossroads and everything is going to come back there and everything is coming back there. And you think, why would that low postage stamp of a country, Israel, can control that much interest in the world today? Right here. And God is in control. I trust you, God. Now I'm going to get busy loving you and loving others. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are in control, that your plans will not be diminished, adjusted, changed, or thwarted. And Lord, I thank you that the day is going to come when righteousness will prevail. Lord, I pray that your righteousness would rule in my heart and in our hearts. 
And Lord, I pray if there are any here tonight that are not sure that they're prepared for your coming, that they've never called upon you for the forgiveness of sins, I pray today that they would mention that to someone before we leave. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be instruments used in your hand to love others, and that our love for you would grow more and more every day, knowing that this is your world, that you are in control, and that your will will be accomplished. Lord, may our faith be strengthened. May our, our walk be growing and fervent in love for you. I pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's just.